You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for Seminole Headlines, featuring Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron, Managing Editor Ira Chauffel, and Senior Writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. Hour number two, headliner questions as we get underway here on Seminole Headlines. Glad uh, that you could join us. I'm Jeff. There's Ira, and you see Tom Wang filling in for the vacationing Corey Clark. This hour, as always, brought to you by our friend, our dear friend, and dear partner, Dr. Birch, Birch Orthodontics. We do appreciate Dr. Birch and all things Birch Orthodontics, her team, their professionalism, and obviously their expertise. Both my boys have gone through the process. Well, one has finished the process. The other is just underway uh, with braces and doing quite well, I might add. And Ira, your girls have done the same. So we are something of, uh, of an expert duo in talking about the expertise and excellence of Birch Orthodontics. I think uh, she should have like a reunion, like high school reunions. She have a Birch Orthodontics reunion and have people yeah. different classes. You know, if you got your braces in 2011, you got your braces in 20. And we can all, we because you'd see the same people when you're like when you go in there you see a lot of the same people. We're a class. We we can bring them all together and just everybody just smile and take a big picture. And Dr. Birch can uh, brag about the job she and her uh, staff have done. But birchorthodontics.com is the website. B u r c h orthodontics.com. If you can't spell orthodontics, that's on you. I can't help you out. Um, but they have uh, payment plans, free consultations. They do all the latest work, uh, not just braces. They do. Uh, complex cases, older, uh, you know, cases for people who are adults, uh, really the whole gamut. And uh, if you just reach out to them and, and tell them that Seminole Headlines sent you because uh, she knows that we're doing great work for her, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. It doesn't. And let's get to some questions. We've got a bunch of them. I'm actually really excited. Uh, Ira, Twitter came through big time here. It's, um, I mean, look, man, it's like saying rain is wet. We yeah. know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Chris writes, I'm going to jump around here. I'm going to go just jump around here. But uh, Chris writes, is it too simplistic to observe that we spent an offseason debating the efficacy of Mike Norvell, or at least seriously questioning it? And in all reality, that was a futile debate because everything truly hangs on whether 13 is healthy for 11 or 12 games. Well, I would, I would first of all, let's define our terms here, Chris. I don't know that we debated this entire offseason so far about the efficacy of Mike Norvell. I think we all three think that Mike Norvell is a good football coach. Now, good football coaches get fired all the time. Good football coaches succeed in some places and fail in others. So we think he's a good football coach. But 
the jury is still out on whether or not he will end up being a long-term good football coach for Florida State, and a lot of that does center around recruiting. And if you don't win enough football games, you're not going to get enough good players to turn their attention towards your program and want to come here. So, yeah, it's true. Your other part of that is that Jordan Travis has to be healthy for them to win said games. I agree with that. Um, But ultimately, that too uh, becomes a bigger question about Mike Norvell's recruiting, right? And that they're in the situation they're in at quarterback right now is that if Jordan gets hurt, they probably aren't going to win enough games. And and then we can get into that aspect of who he is as a coach too, which is that so far you'd say recruiting hasn't gone exceptionally well. Yeah. I'd say it's, it's not just recruiting by extension. That would be a roster management issue. If, if Jordan gets hurt and you don't have a a proper solution behind him, um, you know, I think the safe money is that you're probably going to be without Jordan Travis for at least a few drives this season. Uh, You hope it's not multiple games, but that just, you know, that has been the track record to this point. But we also thought, at least in the midst of what we were seeing in spring, that Tate Rodemaker is not the drop-off at quarterback like it was in the past season or past couple of years between starter and backup. Not to say that you know they would flourish and thrive with Tate in a quarterback, but they wouldn't be completely lost. But that's also going to be something that's monitored very closely. You know, it just it, it's it's a tough year to break it down more than the obvious, like uh, the Chris is asking via the questions. It's self-evident. You know, whatever happens this year is going to largely dictate what the future of Mike Morvell's career is at Florida State. The last couple of years there are built-in excuses, but this year it's, there really aren't any. So, you know, whether that's because Jordan Travis is healthy or not, that they don't succeed, doesn't really matter this year. That, that's, in a way, that's the refreshing part about this season. There are no qualifiers. You either do or you don't. Well, and I think, you know, you look at what they've done this offseason was mostly about putting things in place to where if Jordan Travis plays as, as well as he can play, that maximizes your chances to win as many games as possible. So it was going out and getting four wide receivers, going out and getting four offensive linemen, going out and getting an elite pass rusher and getting the pieces in place around him. You know, so, you know, Chris's point is, well, does any of it matter if Jordan Travis gets hurt? Well, I mean, that's reality for most teams. I mean, most teams, if you lose your, if Miami loses that kid at quarterback, they're probably not going to be as good. If Clemson, you see what happened when they change quarterbacks now to the guy they've got this past season it was a totally different team. So that that's that's I get it, and and I know Jordan's got a track record of been being banged up, but I mean, I, you know, the reality is he was he's their guy. I think you know Mike Norvell, and we've talked about this at the time. You know, I think they were in a tough situation because if you went out and try to get somebody at a, at a high level, then there's a good chance you lose Jordan Travis. And if you try to get somebody is just a competent backup, nobody's going to want to, or somebody you think could be a competent backup but he might want to be a starting quarterback. He's not coming to Florida State because he knows you have Jordan Travis. So they're in a tough spot there. I hate the fact that if, if Jordan gets hurt, that this there's going to be a huge segment of the fan base or the media probably who says, oh, this is why Mike Norvell ruined his chance at Florida State because he banked on Jordan Travis. But the reality is I don't know that they have many other choices. The hope is that he can stay healthy. And I, I we'll, we'll, we'll mark this down. We'll mark this down. June 28th at 2.10 p.m., I think Jordan Travis's injury stuff is a little bit overblown. And I think he'll play, I think he'll play, you know, 13, 14, 12, 13 games, however many games it is. I think, I don't think he's going to miss a lot of time this season. And uh, so I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue. And if he's healthy, they, you know, they can beat most of the teams on the schedule. Yeah, my hope is that you're correct and nobody roots for that kid to get hurt 
nobody wants to see him stay healthy more than certainly that coaching staff, his teammates who like him, love him, uh, and, and, and all of us who just root for people to do well. Um, I do worry about it a little bit, though, uh, and, and I, I, think, I think more than – more than getting injured in games, Ira, I, I, he's got to be available. He's got to be available for practice every uh, in the buildup to this season. You need to see him in the fall. He's got to be there. That's I thought the spring. I thought the spring was a great sign. I mean, I don't think I, he missed a, a, a minute in the spring. He's it was a great sign. Completely agree. Let's hope that that was a precursor of things to come. Right, that he continues down that path, stays healthy. Um, I still think beyond the health issues, uh, I, I just want to see him take another step as a quarterback and, and be able to do a few more things more consistently. Uh, and if he does, then Florida State's going to have a good season. I really believe that. If he does, they will. To Tom's point about Rodemaker, previous to this season, the truth is, we all know this, Rodemaker has not really been a viable option. And when he's been given an opportunity, most people were aghast by what they saw. That said, we kind of don't know what would happen if he goes into a game this year because the spring game was no real indicator. He did look a lot better throughout spring practice. He makes certain throws that, frankly, he makes throws certain throws better than, than Jordan Travis. I, I, he, there's a chance. Let's just put it that way. There's a chance that if he had to play, he might go in and play well. If that offensive line holds up and they are a little bit better at wide receiver, he might go in and play well. I'm not saying he would. I have a better feeling that he might than I did a year ago. I can tell you that. So that's to your point. Well, one, one thing I'd say, again, when you break down what Jordan Travis did last year, he was able to produce and lead the offense to production when they couldn't run block, they couldn't pass block, and they didn't have receivers that could win 50-50 balls, let alone separate with any consistency. And that's because he has a gift that Tate Bottomaker does not. But if you've improved to where you can reasonably block, you have a couple of pass-catching targets that can win a one-on-one -on -one or create separation, and you've got a potential dynamic player in Trey Benson in the backfield, now the ingredients for Tate to succeed are at least present. And so if he doesn't succeed in that circumstance, that's a lot more fair of a test than last year. I don't know how many quarterbacks that are not mobile, like really mobile, could succeed given what was going on offensively last year for this group. It's, it's amazing they produced as many points as they did. And then not to be Pollyanna, but you know, with this defense, I think it's going to be a, a – Really solid defense. It should be, uh, you know, one of the top forty-ish defenses in the country. Thirty, forty. De so you're you, you'd like to think you're not going to get blown out. And so even if you don't have great quarterback play, that the running game, uh, you can manage enough offensively to keep yourself in games. So I don't think the season's over if Jordan Travis misses a half or or see or or a week. Um, and to you know, as you're saying, Tate Rodemaker looks much more capable than we thought before. And you got Duffy too, so you know it's not like the season's over if something happened to him. But I, you know, the point is valid. Big year, big big season for Adam Fuller because I think most of us don't. We talk a lot about Norvell. It's a big season for Adam Fuller because I think a lot of people in the fan base don't know what to make of Adam Fuller. Uh, he was he was heading down the path of being a complete failure and needing to be replaced. When all of a sudden, basically the second half of the Louisville game on. You saw a real significant change from this defense. They were more physical. They were more consistent. Guys lined up correctly, knew where they were. You didn't see blatant busts. They played with a physicality they weren't playing with before. Part of that was because they were thinking and not playing. Um, are they going to be what we saw in the second half of the season to start the season? 
Because if that's the case, then all of a sudden you feel pretty good about the trajectory of the defense and Adam Fuller moving forward. There are just so many question marks. It's why this season is so exciting to talk about. It's why we get, I get pumped up talking about how close we are to practices getting started and for us to go off to the ACC kickoff ne- uh, next month, which is basically, well, it starts at the end of this week. So, you know, there's reason to get excited there. Next question is, hey, gentlemen. Big fan of the show. This is from Atman. He writes, uh, do you feel that Atkins is doing the most with the offensive line and Odell with the defensive line? Is that enough to bring this roster back to elite status, even the whiffs the rest of the coach seem to be having? Okay, from a recruiting standpoint, he's getting into which guys are carrying their weight and which ones aren't. Uh, to be sure, Atkins is, uh, and then some. And I think Odell has too. I do think there are question marks at a lot of other places with this staff that remain to be seen uh, in some cases i think many of us have already made up our mind about a couple of guys but um no they're going to need other guys to recruit better Th- those two are doing a great job to answer your question this roster will not be elite if other guys don't start carrying their weight in recruiting i mean i think they definitely recruited well defensive back over the last couple of years they've signed a lot of really good defensive backs and they're they're in in it for some others uh in this class um i think when you look at uh running back obviously david johnson's done a really good job uh, I think they've done a good job in the transfer portal at different positions. Randy Shannon has had some success there bringing in Tatum Bethune. Um, you know, I think, look, man, you know, th- this is not a great recruiting staff top to bottom. It just isn't. I don't think that was the approach Mike Norvell went with. Um, but, you know, Atkins is definitely killing it. There's no question. I think I think there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, they, they had such a huge needed offensive line. So they needed to pour numbers into offensive line. And Alex Atkins is a great recruiter, and he's been able to fill those numbers. But that's not to say that they can't fill other positions, but that has been the primary need. They needed to get six offensive linemen in that last class, and they need to add a few more because of how bad that position's been. But typically, you wouldn't have one position where you devote that many people to. And I think that's kind of distorting the picture a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, one thing I'd say is, you know, don't close the book on John Papuchas, the defensive ends coach, just yet. Now, if you want to criticize the special teams coach, I'm already in front of you in line. Like, so, you know, you'll see my back there. But when it comes to defensive ends and development, look, there's a chance this year that Derek McClendon could be a plus player on that uh, defensive line. And if Jared Verse uh, develops, he's got to get up to speed at this level. But if he develops and, and he plays anything close to what he appears to be physically and athletically, then you've got some not stop gaps, probably a little bit better than stop gaps from dropping off from Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas to your replacements. Uh, so I, I think, you know, it, it's almost implied when you only bring up Alex Atkins and Odell Hagens, you're not liking the, the job that Papuchas has done. I, I don't think we need to be so um, in ink about what he is as a defensive ends coach just yet. But there is no doubt when you see in the defensive interior guys like Daniel Lyons and Bishop Thomas on the horizon, I mean, wow, they, they're going to replenish. They're already four or five deep and really good at defensive tackle this year without counting those true freshmen. This is going to be a special group in the interior for some time to come on defense. Yeah, and also winning games changes what you can be as a staff recruiting. <laughs> if, if you win some damn games, all of a sudden you all look a lot smarter when kids start finding interest in Florida State all of a sudden that typically don't right now. And so much of it is cyclical because, like, you're, you're, you're giving, Tom's giving him credit, Odell credit, rightfully so, about the defensive tackles they brought in that last class because I think it's a really impressive – group but he was under pressure there there have been years where people said odell wasn't recruiting anymore so and a part of that is byproduct of what jeff just said if you're not winning it's hard to recruit and so it's hard to judge 
you know, it might be hard to judge some of these guys. This is a football staff that's won eight games in two seasons at Florida State. So that's not the easiest challenge to go out and, and out-recruit some of the better teams in the Southeast. So I think they've done what they could do. The, the transfer portal has been a big part. I, I like to see what happens with this class if they have success this season. If they win eight, nine games, I have a feeling that they're going to recruit at a, at a higher level than people think. On the same subject, and we might as well include this one in here so we can kind of wrap up the theme. Rob writes, if the mountain is ultimately too tall for Norvell to climb, do you think Atkins would or should get a look to be the next head coach here at Florida State? Man, I'll go first if you want on that one, because I'm seeing that a lot. You know, even uh, we were on Sunday Smash at 7, and that question was waiting. Is if they win eight or nine games, is that too much for Alex Atkins to not be get, uh, given a top flight offer to be a head coach somewhere else? It's like everybody's already protecting Alex Atkins before this season ever plays out. I'd just say pump the brakes. Let's let's see this whole thing play out before we start talking about who the next head coach is at Florida State. Now, if September sucks again, oh, I buddy. have to feel that question. It 100% is time to feel that question. But, man, can we, can we just – enjoy the drama of this season that's to come because it, there's going to be drama good or bad let's embrace that before we start trying to fill mike norvell's shoes i mean seriously i mean I, look man i love alex atkins i think he's done a great job i think it was a great hire by mike norvell if if they struggle again this season you're not hiring from in this within the staff i don't think i mean you're you're gonna go get it it would be a really you know i think it would be a really tough sell to a lot of fans. Now, the people who are like paying attention to recruiting and living and dying with every moment and, and know all the, you know, behind the scenes, the stuff that they hear and read and listen to every podcast and, you know, read every article and message board post, those people may feel like, oh, yeah, well, Alex Atkins could be our guy. But I just think, I mean, how many times do you ever see a coaching staff get fired after three or four years and then, oh, okay, well, we're going to give the job to the offensive line coach from that staff? I mean, it just, that would be uh, that would be a, a, a first that I can remember anytime lately. Yeah, Kevin Steele tries to do that everywhere he goes. Yeah. Is to be the guy that gets promoted from within if it's possible. That's why he's always on the road with a new team. It doesn't work out for him. He's uh, he's in Miami right now, right? So yeah, I'm sure it works out for them. He's planning his et tu brute moment as we speak. Uh, Seminole headlines, ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV continues in a moment. Ho ho ho. Horizons, it took, bar and grill. It took all the strength I had not to interrupt you, turn off your mic, and go home. Do you like how I closed my eyes when I sang? Too? Oh, believe me, that was the best part. I didn't look at it, thankfully. It was unbelievable. He looked like, like Al Jarreau or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Luther Vandross. Well, he was reference. making sure it was there. I want to apologize to Horizon Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, their delicious food uh, should not be overlooked by Corey's singing. Man, that's a great you jingle from game. the restaurant itself. Uh, but Horizons Bar and Grill is where, Ira? Bannerman Crossing. You're damn right it is. Tallahassee off Thomasville Road and Bannerman Road. It's, uh, man, it's just it's incredible food, incredible people, incredible beer. It's spirits. where we are a lot. We're, hey, before a, the end of the group. week, fellas, uh, any week. Like, you could be listening to this six weeks from yeah. now. Let's let's all get together at Horizons Bar and Grill. We're there a lot. We really are. So if you want to see this in person, this trio <laughs> in person. Never mind the food. You get to see the three of us. But, yeah, the food and the, the drinks, the, the patio, it's all good, man. It's all working. If it's you, all working at And Horizons. if you sing the theme song, they'll give you some free food, I think. I think you get the bill is paid for if you sing the song. But with, you have to sing it like I do. With, and tell them Corey's thing. With a bar tab. Yes, it's amazing. Correct. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Just keeps growing. They're yes. so kind.
Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Rolling on with headliner questions. Welcome back. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, we have this question next. First of all, I'm being chastised for being late to the COVID party, apparently. And then uh, he asks, I sense a cautious confidence by Noel Nation for the 2022 season in both football, but also men's basketball. How does the panel feel about the future of both? Oh, okay. Well, we talk every day about where we're at with football, uh, and that's a balancing act. I think most of us uh, are more positive about the upcoming season than we have been the last couple of years. Uh, and then basketball, let's go to that one, because I pretty much wrote them off um, a while back, uh, and I still have my growing concerns with the loss of such great personnel from the coaching side of things. Uh, I love Ham, and I want nothing more for him to go out a winner here, and he has done amazing things with this program. But admittedly, there's been an uptick in confidence and enthusiasm on my end um, over the last uh, month or so with the development of the couple of players that they brought in and and the way they're being viewed right now in recruiting. So uh, maybe all is not lost. Maybe Maybe this was a – Temporary blip on the radar. Ira, do you share that sentiment? Or are you? Uh, well, I what? was never. I was never quite as concerned as you and, and Corey and, and Tom. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I look. I understand how it looked. They had a really rough season comparatively to the way they had been playing the last few years, and it wasn't all the injuries. They weren't playing. They they were not. They didn't look like they were going to be a great basketball team really at any point last season. Even if they had still stayed healthy, at least to me, I never saw. The, the, the end of the season being like this great run. Um, it was kind of a transition year. They had brought in a bunch of new faces and it was all coming together. And then I coupled that with that last recruiting cycle that is freshmen right now, that group that's coming in right now, where they didn't have as many superstar guys. They, they, struck, they missed on some of the five-star guys that they were in. The, they, were in they were in the running for like four or five elite, elite players and, and came in second or came in second or third. And so it felt like, okay, well, maybe they're losing some steam there. And as you said, see why Charlton Young left the staff to go to Missouri with Dennis Gates, another former assistant coach. And I could see why it was kind of building that way. But I think you look at the talent they actually still have in the program is still pretty high level. I mean, Matthew Cleveland and some of those guys, they've, they, have, they have a high level of talent in the program. Then to have these recent recruiting wins, uh, to me, I think should allay some of those concerns. Baba Miller, one of the top international prospects, a sixth, 6'10", 6'11", a guy that can play on the perimeter, and then the recruit that they just got a commitment from this past week. Uh, I mean, that's a big deal. They, they, they feel like they've kind of kind of recharged things. And, you know, I haven't been out there to watch this practice this summer, but some uh, a mutual friend of ours has been, and uh, I heard, man, they look great. I mean, I've heard that these summer practices have been great. Matthew Cleveland apparently has really embraced – he came back for a purpose. You know, he was a guy that some people thought might be a one-and-done – he came back for the season, and from what I'm hearing, everything has been exactly what you want to see out of a guy who does that and is really working on his jump shot and all those things. And now that team, uh, you know, might be a little bit more uh, more back to what we expected before last season. Yeah, I'd say I just I'm looking for the sandpaper element. You're right, Ira. The recruiting has uh, whatever concerns I had, they're mostly put away. They're mostly put to bed. This has been a nice little run these last six weeks or so. Uh, for the basketball program to show that they can compete with the big dogs still, even if this, uh, the assistants are gone 
and win those battles. I was concerned, too, just because of the way Leonard was describing the era of the NIL and how difficult that is. And clearly he was struggling with what it is they're going to have to do philosophically. Maybe it's transfer portal and dip into that more often to bring in more veteran players. But whatever the case, they've got a good roster this year. They should have a really good one next year as well. It's just who is going to be the sandpaper on the team, who's going to be the player that's like a Terrence Mann or a Trent Forrest, not necessarily in production, but you just got to have that mentality. And so well, looking forward to seeing who those guys are going to be. I also think that last year, I think Leonard made a couple of mistakes. I mean, I, and you, the comments he made about the transfer portal, I think he, he, I think he was hoping for more from a few of those veteran players that had been in the program for five years that they was going to get more out of them. And I think he missed on that. And he instead maybe could have let a few, couple of those guys graduate or seek other opportunities because they had certainly been in the program long enough and then go get do what you know Virginia Tech did or, or or you know go out and get some of these top level transfers and and uh, you know he did get Caleb Mills before that season but um, you know I just th- I, I think he regrets not maybe going a little bit harder in the transfer portal and I think we'll see them do that and he, you know, he certainly got some big ones for this for this season. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm rooting for it to happen. I still have some overriding concern for Florida State basketball in general in the NIL era. But that said, obviously, this has, to use your word, Ira, helped allay the fears uh, that it was about to fall off a cliff. I don't think it's about to fall off a cliff. So I feel I feel much better about that as well. Uh, with the amount, Sean writes, with the amount of uptick and the interest in our new coach, are you surprised at how many people wanted Mike Martin Jr. gone? Seems like there was a majority of this fan base that wanted him gone. Well, this is going to be an interesting answer. I'm interested to hear from both of you guys. I'll I'll give you my two cents on this to start. You know, I've known Mike Martin Jr. for a very long time, and uh, I considered him a friend, considered him somebody that um, I could call, you know, off the record. Let's put it that way. He's one of the few guys that, uh, that I have that relationship with that I also cover. And... That makes for an interesting relationship. I think I've, I've tried to be fair when he's bad. I've been, I've been honest when they've been bad, when they're good. I point that out too. But I also know that Mike can be really difficult uh, to deal with on an interpersonal level. And I don't mean with me. I just hear that about his interactions with his players and certain people around the baseball program. And I have a suspicion that the relationship I knew between me and him like Martin Jr., that is, and the relationship that maybe he had with a lot of other people is very, very different. And so I'm not surprised to hear a lot of people say that they were ready to move on. Mike isn't great at letting people help Mike. And I think that uh, perhaps he rubbed some people the wrong way, probably more than maybe he realized. It's just my opinion. Uh, I think he probably didn't realize that the level of red acidness that he carried around with him on a daily basis was not appreciated by a lot of people. And I think if you start to lose games and you're not chummy with the right people, it can be over in a hurry. And I think that helped expedite the process. Just my opinion. Ira? Uh, Real quick, Tom can talk next and I'll follow up. But Florida State just got a commitment from uh, uh, one of the visitors from this weekend, a linebacker. Ward, um, who committed, he was here for the weekend, just committed. So, uh, Tom can help you with that while I do something else real quick on my phone. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's exit. Let's exit. I take me off the screen. Get me off the screen. Go back to the JCS. <laughs> you don't want that right now. There's technical stuff in the background. So okay, we'll, I'll say, I'll say it's like Schefter on a, uh, you know, trade deadline. Yeah, you just look down at your I'm phone a, and type in your I'm thing. Here, I'm here. Put it on war chin. You yes. guys talk. 
That's DeMarco Ward, uh, who is committed to Florida State. Hey, a linebacker commit. That's kind of cool. Uh, so where were we, Jeff? What, what were you teeing up Ira for? No, I was asking the question about uh, my opinion with, with Mike about Martin Mike Martin Jr. Did people but, yeah. want him to go? I do I have something to say on this. Give me just a minute. So yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I, there was noise in the system. I mean, early on in the season, that was the alarming thing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that they started to struggle and then you heard things because typically when when losing happens, that's when maybe the petty comes out in people that are interested in the program, be it the players, uh, coworkers, or money people or whatever it is. Uh, that's usually when you hear the complaints. They started out pretty well, and still there was some noise in the system. And I'm thinking, man, that's that's interesting because in the preseason interview you did with me, Jeff, he talked about how guys were reluctant to buy into using all fields as the approach at the plate. But then once he broke them down, they figured it out, and they saw, oh, man, there's actually some good reason for this t- type of approach. And then you watch the approach in the games, and it didn't really match with what Meade had said in the preseason. And that that's when my head started to spin a little bit, thinking, oh, man, so is he really connected to the way that his right. lineup is going to be approaching at bats? And then you see later in the year there are some comments that you know interspersed throughout the season, the last of which was, we're coming back, essentially, is what he said after the Miami series win here in town. We're going to be coming back and playing in front of these great fans again. And they, you know, I know they lost two extra inning games in a row, but I mean, then they got absolutely smashed by North Carolina in games two or three up in Chapel Hill that week. So I, I don't know that there was a, he'd had the pulse of the team, not even from the beginning. And, and that's where I think some of this may have fallen apart a little bit. And that's where people got weary of it. Yeah, Ira, before you answer here, I'll, I'll address Glenn here. Glenn, you don't have to care whether or not a person is a horse's ass behind the scenes. Uh, so what? Yeah, no. You don't have to care about that. Here's the problem. If the team's not playing well and you begin to lose games and they all care deeply that you're a horse's ass, then it's going to going to be a job issue for you. You're going to have a hard time. This is what people do with guys. Listen, Nick Saban can be an impossibly difficult human being, but he wins and wins big. And the second that he doesn't, those that have been carrying the knives will pounce. It doesn't take long for people to circle. And, in, and close quickly if you're a jerk to everybody you deal with on a daily basis. So you may not care, but the people who make decisions and the players who play for those guys do, especially if things aren't working well. Well, and, and the, the, the thing that I was struck back to, I, I went back to, because all these things don't matter if you're having a lot of success. If you're winning. They weren't having a lot of success. And that was a conversation that somebody, that a friend of mine had with Jimbo Fisher early on in his tenure that Jimbo felt like, if he was, if everybody loved him like Coach Bowden, that's one thing. But if he's twelve and zero or zero and twelve, the comment he made is, "If I'm twelve and zero, it won't matter. And if I'm zero and twelve, it won't matter. They're still going to fire me if I'm zero and twelve. And if I'm twelve and zero, it doesn't really do me any good." But my point was always, "Okay, what if you're eight and four? Or what yeah. if you're seven and five? And I think that's where meat wound up. And and look, I mean, the reality is, he because there was so much anti. Martin Venom because of the Jimbo because of the um, Bobby Bowden and Jeff Bowden situation. I mean that's something Mike Martin Jr. has had to fight for 15 years. That that nepotism issue has been something people have complained about for over a decade. So when he got the head coaching job, to me the only way he was going to have success is if he just killed it in the first year or two to kind of get people to to quiet down. But he didn't. They were middling. Then now to the point this you know. You're, you guys are talking about is didn't have a ton of people supporting him because of some of those relationships. That's what I think the problem was. If he, you know, 
you know, again, if he had worked more maybe on that side of it, it would have gotten him another year. But the reality is, I mean, you know, they, they weren't playing well enough for that to not be a problem. Yeah, when you got players who look disinterested and you're ninth in the ACC while being preseason picked to finish first and people aren't exactly friendly towards you uh, and you them, yeah, man. Uh, he also found himself in a real tight spot because the Link-Jarrett situation uh, became pressing. Yeah. Clemson was going to make a run at Link Jarrett. You can't have a team in your conference going after one of your guys whom you'd like to bring in if things don't go well and have all that stuff going on in the locker room here and not decide to expedite the process. Uh, we keep moving here. If the mountain is all... Oh, I already asked that question. Oh, uh, Millwheel writes, who shows up first on campus, Destin Hill or Joe Mauer? <laughs> Good old, that's a nice old Joe Mauer reference. Wow. Oh, uh, what could have been if Joe Maurer had played quarterback at Florida State? Um, but alas, yeah. Destin Hill, are I'm we not, done? Now? I'm not put, a- I mean, it's not done. We'll see. I mean, we're, none of us have ever said we would put money on it happening. So, you know, we'll see. If he shows up, great. If he doesn't, you know, it's not going to change. It's not It's not like, you know, we're expe- nobody has expected him to be here since he signed, since he didn't show up last summer. If he shows up, it's gravy. If he doesn't. Yeah, Why did this get legs, though? What, what what happened this week that gave this legs? I've seen more things on my timeline about Destin Hill this people, week than people the previous bored. two. <laughs> people were bored. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so nothing happened. Well, it just there was a thought that if he was going to come, it would become – he would have come right at this past – like last week in the academic calendar. Uh, you know, they brought in a couple of other players at the at right. that break. So there was feelings that he might and he didn't. So now it's it's brought up again. All right, let's go uh, this route. You won't have to fight. Oh, okay. This is this is our friend Mary saying we can ask all the Twitter questions we want. You won't have to fight that Facebook battle anymore, Ira. You do realize the next episode of Seminole Headlines will be in July. It's a countdown to football. Thank you, Mary. Yes, it is. That's right. Yes. The next Seminole Headlines is indeed in July. Next that week, right after, right after the holiday. Can't wait. Um, oh, go ahead. I, I mean, I know. I feel like we've uh, there's more questions we probably should get to. No, we're flying around here, buddy. I'm getting to them. Um, I know this isn't Gator headlines, but with all the SEC money and talent-rich environment, why does Florida still suck? Seems like they would have had a Clemson run by now. They've been better off than we've been, but they uh, they had a they had an unlikable coach. I mean, the reality is money doesn't solve all your problems. And we've talked about this before. Texas is the best example. Um, but the concern is the talk you're, all the talk you're hearing about the SEC money really hasn't poured into the level it's about to pour in. And so, you know, when you, a lot of those projections, you know, right now the gap is real, but it's what could be happening. And, you know, they reworked that CBS deal or they changed it and, and for the game of the week. And, I mean, you're talking about the numbers are about to get crazy, crazy uh, in the next few years. In the interim, though, it is laughable and it is pitiful. So continue to feel pity in Gainesville. There you go. Um, Rob writes, are we certain that Link is not Mike Norvell with a balding wig? Has anyone seen both in the same place? Is Norvell trying to become FSU's head coach in all aspects? <laughs> <laughs> I would, did you feel like they were similar in their approach? No, I not really. I mean, no, no. Mike's, Mike's, Mike's t- Mike took the approach of a, a preacher, yep. uh, during his press conference and over the top, yeah. uh, evangelist. Um, uh, there was some good in there, but there was some bad. He was a rah-rah guy in his right. approach, yeah. I mean, also, they you know, look like each other. It was, it was more like a, a passion from, a, you know, raising your voice 
that kind of passion. Lynx was more of like an intense stern. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Lynx's approach was more, I know what I'm about. So I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip a little bit more. I, it looked to me like Norvell tried to memorize almost every word that he wanted to say, but I mean, listen, you just got to be who you are when you're in that setting and Lynx was gripping within 60 seconds. I was like, Oh man, this feels like that teacher that you just don't mess with or that substitute teacher that you just don't mess with in high school. You're like this guy, he don't play like, Look at that hair. That also helps. It's, you're like, man, I'm not going to mess with that guy. If he's got that going on up there, I'm not messing with that dude. <laughs> Bobby writes, what year will Link take us back to the College World Series, and what year will we finally win it all? Uh, predicting when you're going to win it all is awfully difficult. Uh, I mention it every time this question gets asked. Uh, the one seed in the nation each of the last three years has not won the national championship and two of those three years, I don't think they even made it out to Omaha. I know this year they certainly didn't. So you have the number one national seed in Tennessee this year uh, with by far, it's not even close. They lead the country in uh, every major statistic offensively. And they had the lowest team ERA of any team in the country and they hosted and they lost right. to an unranked Notre Dame team, if you will, at least national top eight seed. So, there you go. That's how hard it is. That's why you can't really predict uh, when a team is going to win a national championship. In terms of getting back to the College World Series, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State went to the College World Series next year. 23? I was going to say 24, and I thought that would be aggressive. I wouldn't, thought, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all. I think Florida State has talent. They weren't getting the most out of their talent. It depends on a few things that have to fall their way from a pitching standpoint, but, man – I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be shocking at all if Florida State went to, I'm not saying they will, but it wouldn't be shocking. I think that the order of operations out of the bullpen would have to get better, and it's probably going to get a hell of yeah. a lot better. They're going to play better defense, and, and then maybe, yeah, maybe those registers dong poles will just start shaking when, when they send them off <laughs> to Omaha as a top eight national seed. I maybe they won't that, strike out 700 times a game. Maybe they'll pick up the baseball. Yeah, little things like that go a long way in winning. I thought um, when we asked, I asked Mike Alford what he, when he was watching – Notre Dame played for the last two or three weeks, waiting for their moment to, to begin negotiations. What was the biggest takeaway? And he just talked about how hard they com- how hard they competed in every aspect, and then also how they communicated on the field. He let in the way the link communicated with the players and his assistant coaches. And I mean, I just think that 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 idea of taking the coach's mentality and how hard they played. I just think, man, the, this this for whatever reason, the connection just didn't seem to be there to Tom's point earlier about having the feel for his team or the pulse of his team. There were so many games where it felt like some of the guys on this team were either going through the motions or not, or not understanding the situation. Like what, what do we need in this situation? What do I, what's my play here, either offensively or defensively links teams seem to have that. They seem to play with that, that savvy and that intelligence and, and some, some competitiveness that, you know, can go a long way to your point, Jeff. I mean, it can take a team that maybe looked average to a to a much higher level, yeah. And again, they got, we got to figure out the starting pitching for the for the upcoming season. But I, I I do think that they've got enough talent there and a lot of burgeoning talent that if you get a lot more consistent play out of, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to see that. Remember, they were preseason picked to to, to win the conference. Uh, this past year. So, I mean, it's not like this place is devoid of talent. Uh, Knox writes, good morning, gents. Let's try this question again. Who gets fired first, Mike Norvell or Willie Taggart? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good uh, one. Willie at FAU? Oh, yeah. 100%, 100% Willie at FAU, I think. I, I would think. I think they're struggling. But, again, Mike hasn't had a winning season. So, it's – it's. but Mike has a little bit more leeway, I would think. Yeah, I, short of going – 
three and nine this year. I think Mike gets another season. Uh, I'll go with Willie. We'll make it a clean sweep. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with the three and nine. I think that six and six or less is going to be tough for Mike. But I personally, but but no, I, th- I mean, I just think FAU's been terrible. I mean, they're they've that his first year was was didn't look terrible because they had so many players that Lane had left behind. But it's been trending down quickly. I think. Yeah, Ira, you you hit on something that I think is worth us exploring really quick as to before we move forward, take a quick break, come back with the last questions, and that is. Um, you think anything six or six or lower, he's gone. I think six and six, it's going to be a – there's going to be a, a figuring out what to do. I, I, I don't know – I'm not saying he would be gone at six and six, but I think at six and six, I think there's going to be a lot of conversations at the highest levels about, okay, mm-hmm. what, can, what can we keep doing this or not? Five and seven, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how he survives that. Yeah, I think if he goes five and seven, you can fire him. Mm. Well. <laughs> No matter what happens this year, there's going to be all right. So, well, I mean, look, the reality is, Tommy, you said it earlier, there's not a lot of excuses anymore. Plus, you have you have three or four games you should win. I mean, they're, they, they're going to win. So now you just can't lose all of the other eight or seven <laughs> of the other eight. Um, I know it's a tougher schedule, and Jeff's made that point abundantly clear, and I agree that they could be a better team this year and not have a gr- great record because this is a tough schedule with all those veteran quarterbacks. But at the same time, I mean, you can't be in year three, go from three wins to five wins to, to five wins again. I just think that that's going to be a tough so in this in this day and age. To me, that sounds like it's, it would be a tough situation. I just haven't heard it put so definitively by you two in like a fifteen second sequence. I was shook there. That that all right? There you go. Well, so, I, I'm, so I'm all tires. So that that just tells me it gives me a little bit of hope as a fan. That if I'm on the chat here or whatever, that all right, if things go bad, there's going to be a new guy. It's not going to be that dead man walking thing that that Jeff talks about. Well, okay, so that we don't make the decision though, Tom. So here's the thing: like, right, it's just, <laughs> I'm just saying, in our conversations, it hasn't been so definitively put before. So right. that, that was remarkable. To me. Yeah, I've said anything below seven wins, he might as well be fired because he's a dead man walking at that point. But you know, you're right. It, we're now we're going out there and just saying that's it. That's it. You're done. (laughs) Quick break so we come back on the other side and we get two or three more questions. We will have gone through these Twitter questions. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Stay with us. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Seminole Headlines is brought to you by Register Sausage, serving the Florida Panhandle and Lower Alabama for over 75 years. To find a store near you or to buy directly from Registers, head to registermeats.com. That's registermeats.com. Seminole Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Let's keep it rolling here. Get straight to the questions, shall we? Uh, and the first is, do you guys know, well, I'm not going to actually answer this one on the air. It's a question about how we arrived at the new play-by-play announcer. And I will say there's a lot more to it than just selecting not to disparage the new guy. I've not met him. I'm sure he'll do a great job. Uh, but there was a lot more to it than just selecting the next guy in line for the job. Let's just put it that way. There's other aspects. Florida State is kind of modernizing, I think, that position of play-by-play announcer. I can try to answer it that way. Uh, And that the person that's doing it has to do a hell of a lot more work than just calling games. Yeah, and it's that's going to be the trend nationally. Like that's where that's where it's going. It's not you know the idea of just having somebody who's just a voice for radio is is probably a bygone era. 
Yeah, it's a shame. Luckily, I got in just under the radar because that's all I do, guys. I don't do a damn thing else. Uh, here we go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I asked a similar question, but want to revisit given the bevy of encouraging moves we've now seen from Mike Alford. What year? Oh, baseball question again about uh, the team returning to Omaha. And what year does the football team return to the college football playoff? Um, and he wants to know, by the way, you and me, Tom, is hashtag a-hole still a thing? Yes, it is. You guys can use hashtag a-hole anytime you want, but that's on the Jeff Cameron show. Uh, as far as this show goes and the answer to your question, back to the college football playoff. Uh, Florida State is a ways away from competing to get to the college football playoff. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but Florida State is a ways away from making the college football playoff. That is the stark reality, in my opinion. I don't think we're that close. So if I were projecting that, I would tell you five years, six years minimum. I don't know about that. Just because I would say this. when the Look, man, Florida State was awful in 2009. They were no better. In, they're no better now. They're no better in 2009 than they are now. So if you can get it going, I think it could turn around pretty quickly, especially with transfer portals, the transfer portals. So I think you could, you could see a scenario where they've got players now. There's probably – on a roster of 85 scholarship players, you know, there's probably, I don't know, maybe 15 to 20 guys that could be on that kind of team. But if you can fill them, fill it around, you know, or bring around them, those kinds of players and an elite quarterback, I think you can get there in less than five or six years. But um, yeah, it, it does. There's not a clear path to get there in the next two years by any stretch. Uh, the schedule is too difficult if it's a four-team playoff to do it anytime soon just because of the out-of-conference that they've scheduled. But if it expands, it could happen all the sooner. Let's just hope that that eventually yeah. happens and there's not dysfunction among the Power Five as there is everywhere. I wish this show were longer. Guys, we're not anywhere close. <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not anywhere close. Move on. <laughs> I'm telling you now, it's not close. Fun exercise next Did time. You, let me show. ask you this. In 2009, at the end of 2009, were you thinking – yeah, man. Within four years, we're going to be playing for. The, we're going to win a national title. What was the record in 09? Seven and seven six. and six, maybe. But they yeah. were awful, man. They were all, and there were not a lot of there were not a lot of players on that team that you saw in 2013. I don't. Know. Yeah, I just remember we had you know we were coming out of the lost decade, and Coach Bowden had really obviously fallen off a cliff, and we weren't recruiting, and so I was yeah. just hoping with the level of recruiting that Jimbo was was about to do that we would see a real quick change, and that level of recruiting has not started at Florida State. Guess what? Um, if you didn't get Jameis Winston, it wasn't happening. But anyway, he did. Go, go but ahead. He did. He did. And if he Mike did. Ravel doesn't get somebody to but play he could. Well, but he could. He's I mean, not close right now. And if you're going to bring him in, he's still got to he's still got to get in here and be in the system for a year or two. So you start to yeah. see the play improve. So Plus, that's not six years. That could be four years or three. I or said four five years. or six years. Five yeah. years. I'm going to say it's certainly more than the two you just laid out. No, I said it won't be in the next two. I said it could be in the middle. Do you think by year three we're going to the college football playoff? I'm saying it's possible three or four. I'm not saying because you said five or six at least, and okay. I'm, I don't think it's that. I don't think it has to be that far. Uh, away. We need longer time to debate this. Why situation. do I feel like? Why do I feel like I'm watching my parents fight and I'm six years old again? <laughs> What's going on here. Yeah, we need Corey here so we can be picking on him. 
Well, Corey, so he'll say two years and then turn around and say something else crazy, like it, it's the beginning of a 10-straight-year run to the college football playoff, if, if that's the argument he's on. If it's the other side of it, then, you know, it's usually not. I, uh, It's a fun discussion to have next time we do the show. Uh, let's see if we can get another one in here. There's one thing. There's 30 seconds left. Florida State will make the college football playoff again. There you go. I, I'm like, <laughs> they're going to do it again, though. They're going to do it again. It's a fun. Hey, listen, it's it's a it's an open discussion. Uh, there's some give and take there. Uh, they will make the college football playoff again someday. Good work, out or good work, just Tom. To be, to be clear, I did not say in the next two years. I just said it could be sooner than five or six. Just want to be clear. I disagree. I disagree, but that's okay. That's all right. We can disagree. It's all right. I hope you're. I hope you're right, and I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. <laughs>